0: And welcome to Entmoot, the Battle Games in Middle-Earth podcast all about the Middle-Earth strategy battle game from Games Workshop. I'm Harry, this is episode 37, and this has real-life people talking in in it and everything. It's, oh god, it's going to be so good. We've got actual real-life human games happening in this podcast. It's going to be awesome. And Essentially, Games are allowed now, It's uh, this podcast has taken a while to put together, so apologies in advance for that, um, and I know Jeremy uh, from the Green Dragon was messaging me about this a while back, um, saying, oh I can't wait to hear this next podcast, um, we're going to have lots of exciting stuff. It's going to be really good, um, because we're allowed to play games um, in person in the UK once more. So uh, it's 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 just it's just another step on the road, which is super exciting. So uh, coming up, we have um, the continuation of the series of uh, playthroughs, I suppose, or scenario reviews. I started with Tim, uh, my good friend Tim, um, which I think I started in October time, or thereabouts, uh, just before um, the the UK lockdown uh, for the winter, um, and we we started. Go- running through the quest of the ringbearer book which uh, was awesome fun we played I think three or four scenarios um and then stopped at the fog on the barrow Road downs and then we had to wait another five months six months seven months however many months it is now uh, until we're able to continue our our quest of the Ringbearer. So uh, the continuation begins now. So we're starting in Bree and we're heading hopefully to um, the Mines of Moria or at least to Karadras or something like that uh, later on in the episode. So we'll do a scene-unseen review. So we're, we're going to have a look through the scenario, have a bit of a talk through, and then we'll... Um, uh, we'll essentially kind of review, preview it and say what we think we're going to like what we think we're going to not like and give it a kind of analysis on paper as many of you will have done and read through it and think oh that's quite good and then we're going to play through it and see whether that that sort of uh, actual game lives up to our expectations or, or you know exceeds them I suppose so that's coming up later in the podcast that's going to be great fun and we're also going to be having a, a sort of I, would, I was going to say competitive game but it's not really competitive game because it's just a, a bit of a friendly Um, uh, Nathan, who has been on the podcast before, he spoke about Beragond in the uh, episode not so long ago about the lore of the rings, uh, about our favourite characters and whether they're represented well in the game. So um, he's back. I'm going to meet him in in the flesh for the first time ever. Um, He's going to play his first game ever. uh, Well, not ever, but um, since I think it was... Definitely before um, the Middle-earth Strategy Battle Game, and perhaps even as long ago as um, midway through the Hobbit era. So um, he used to run Games Workshop stores back in the day, but um, uh, he he sort of moved away from that and is has kind of had a bit of a a, a period in the game where he's been you know uh, not really playing Lord of the Rings, and then he's got, come back with a force uh, after stumbling across um, videos and things like that. So it'll be exciting to have a game against him later on. We'll also have a uh, g- answer to the Riddle in the Dark. We'll delve through your emails and uh, we'll have a bit of a chat about some other things, I suppose, uh, at the end of the podcast. We'll be reflecting on the sort of latest announcements about uh, um, tournaments and things like that in the UK. So all that to come on a very exciting podcast. But first...
1: Oscar's warrior, build me an army worthy of door.
0: That's right for the first time in gosh it must be uh, a long long uh, number of episodes we're going to build an army and um, so we we I've kind of touched on this a few times and built some lists and written some lists that I thought you might like and and passingly referenced them but of course they've never actually been tested in the uh, field of battle. So today we're going to have uh, a list and we're going to be able to test it in battle later on with Nathan. So um this is going to be the list I'm going to play against Nathan uh, later on in the podcast and we'll have a little uh, rundown of that match later on uh, in the program but um uh, I thought we'll have to uh, have to write the list first so we agreed we'll do a 600 point uh, match he's going to be good and I'm going to be evil and uh, my army is following on from some of the excitement I've had painting Easterling acolytes I'm delving into my uh, Easterlings but I'm, I thought I want to do something a bit Stupid, if I'm honest. I want to do something a bit interesting, a bit different because um, it's a friendly. We're not. I'm not that bothered uh, if I win or lose. But I thought I want to try out a the acolytes and b um, have a bit of fun with it. So here's the army. Um, what do we got? We've got a general. Uh, he is a Candish king on a chariot. Yes, and we've got four Candish horsemen with him. So uh, we've got the the bow. You know, they've got bows. They're basically Rohan horsemen. Fight 4 um, They're a bit lower defensive defense. defense or something like that but they've got a bow shooting a four plus um fight four strength three but they've got axes as well so that's pretty good um bows and axes and uh, a lot of them so we've got a, a pretty pretty cool little war band a little mobile war band led by a chariot then we've got another war band uh it's a another candish king on chariot 425 points again they're very good, actually, Candish kings on chariots. They've got two might, two will, uh, one fate. Um, they've got strike, resolve, and march. So all, pretty much all, I mean, resolve, maybe not with a chariot. But they've got some good good heroics. So that's good. Um, and fight, I think it's fight six, or is it fight five? Fight six? I'm going to say f- uh, five. Anyway, whatever it is, it's good. And they've got a strike. So with him, we've got two Candish horsemen. So we're going for the, the, the you know, mounted vibe. And one charioteer. So, total, we've got three chariots already for 600 points. This is good. I like this because I love chariots. You know, two impact hits, um, they move impact hits two strength four impact hits kill something carry on moving until they've reached the zenith of their movement and they have this pivoting rule and all that sort of stuff but we'll just see we'll just see how how they fare later on and sometimes they go really well sometimes they just bump on something and chariot dies and that's it Uh, and round off that warband so we've got four models in this warband as well and we've got a candish warrior with a bow yeah so um in total we've got A nice number of bows there. We've actually got ten bows, including the kings who come with both a bow uh, and an axe. The chariot is going to have the uh, bow, and the uh, Candish horseman um, is I have bows and axes, and of course the Candish warrior has a bow as well because you're allowed just one because of the um, he's not um, excluded from the bow limit. But you know, round him up and he's fine. So okay, next warband I mentioned there's Easterlings. So let's kick off with and uh, Lord of Blades uh, with an armoured horse for 145 points. So um, already you're probably thinking, this is a lot of heroes, a lot of big stuff, and I've got eight Easterling Acolytes with him. Eight? Yes, that's right. So you might be thinking, you bloody fool, everyone was commenting about Easterling Acolytes, they're rubbish, why did you buy so many? I don't know why I bought so many, I just thought they looked really cool. I impulse bought them all i painted them all up and you know what i'm excited so and i thought let's give it a go so that's it that's it and and you know i think i think they're they're yet to be tested in the field of battle but two attacks each throwing weapons and you know they've got some special rules that mean that they can climb over stuff which I, i i guess they could be useful but i don't see them really coming into play all that often I can see them gelling quite nicely here with a hard-hitting um, cavalry contingent that will distract, hopefully, all the bow fire away from um, the slightly squishy acolytes. And then the acolytes could do all the kind of... Uh, not all of it, but they'll, they'll be able to do lots of little poking around in buildings and sneaking behind fences and getting into gaps and, and taking objectives if we need to, or whatever they can do. So there you go. That's my 599-point list. I, I don't think it's actually possible to get another um, another point in there in any way I mean I'd have to swap some things around which I I can't be bothered to do so there we go 599 points there's 19 models there's 7 points of might so not bad and of course Amdo has blood and glory so if he kills a hero he gets a point back 10 bows including the king's bows and I break when there's 9 models left when there's 10 models dead so that is fairly easy to do With horsemen, uh, fight four... I mean, basically we're looking at defence four for the entire army. So if he decides to focus his bow fire onto the Candish horsemen or the acolytes, if he's got any bow fire, um, then I'm screwed. If he's brought... bloody rangers for a friendly i'll be re-pissed off <laughs> i don't think he will but there we go so that's the army that's what i'm doing and um, let me know what you think entmootpodcast at gmail.com if you have any comments and um, if you think this is a stupid list and what am i taking it for if you think it sounds like fun which i certainly do then uh, let me know let me know your thoughts on um, my chariot based list so i've got you've got two big chariot hitters you've got amder that's a triple threat plus another chariot just to be annoying, and then you've got cavalry, so they've got lots of movement, lots of them, lots of march. We've got Amder and a load of Easterling acolytes which I like the sound of. So, let me know what you think. Right, let's move on to the next bit before we get into seen unseen uh, with Tim and the sort of the, sh- the sort of crux of the episode of Entmoot. We're going to have to delve into the bag of emails for Riddles in the Dark. That's right. It's a chance for riddles in the dark to return, and we got a very tricky riddle this uh, episode. So, um, or from the last episode, I mean. Um, so let me just uh, let me just give you uh, a couple of rundowns from the emails first, because um, we're actually going to do something we don't do all that often, and we're going to keep rolling this riddle on over. So, first, let's delve into the email inbox and uh, speak about Mitchell Hammond. Mitchell Hammond, thank you very, very much Uh, he's written in. He says, Hi Harry, I meant to write in much sooner but I wanted to say thank you for the awesome podcast episodes. I've been listening to you since the beginning and have always enjoyed your content. Keep up the good work. I really did like your Easterling canned list build. Now I think this is the one that I did for um, the uh, the Green Dragon podcast uh, Kylie sent me a challenge from the Green Dragon and uh, and she's then taken it on to a tournament which you can hear the review of that tournament in the latest, or it depends when you're listening to this of course uh, the one uh, a Green Dragon episode has a, re- a review of that list as well so um, delve into that if you're interested um, he um, back to Mitchell Hammond he says I might make a few changes but I believe we think very similarly I've been playing a lot of games with the new Acolytes and I have to say I'm a big fan of the profile the more the better now this is very topical for this episode I've been testing out a few lists that have had great success and are a lot of uh, fun to play with too also thank you for directing players to my local group here in the Pacific North- Northwest hope you are able to keep up with every little group oh, how you're able to keep up with every little group all over the world and remember who's in which group is beyond me <laughs> let me know if you're ever in the States thanks again Mitchell from The Duran Show yes if you've never listened to The Duran Show um, it's a, a group of brothers three or four of them depending on the episode um, all starting with M <laughs> uh, their names starting with M and that's Mitchell from them And um, they're, they're really interesting guys uh, really interesting debates uh, in those podcasts and the brotherly banter uh, shines through so I'd highly recommend if you're looking for yet another podcast to delve into. Um, Mitchell, thanks very much for your message. I really appreciate it. Uh, a couple of others in the inbox. Obviously, no Riddle guest there. Cameron Co- Cochran says Hey Harry, fantastic episode again. Honestly in love with your podcast. I really shouldn't read these because it sounds like very, they're backslapping, slapping doesn't it but anyway, uh, I do really enjoy listening uh, away while painting and on my way to work. Keep up the good work. For your army, I love the army. I'm taking Ents to your tournament in July so we'll see how it goes. Personally I would give the fate point to Beachbone. Now this is in reaction to the Ent army from um, the Down Under episode. So this is two ep- different episodes we're talking about. Uh, two different Armies that these guys are reviewing. But either way, let's back to it. Uh, this was, I think, 500 points events, which was Treebeard, Merry, and Pippin beachbone quickbeam and an end uh or it might have been 600 i can't remember personally i would give the fate point to beachbone due to his fighting i suspect he'll be targeted more often than Quickbeam. so yeah there's the special rules of that entmoot tournament in australia meant that you could give a free faint point to heroes um if you were to give a free fate point which one would you give it to the fighty one or the slightly weaker one uh i, I couldn't decide and uh, cameron's saying beachbone because of his fighting that's interesting good point um I suspect he'll be targeted more often than Quickbeam, says Cameron. I did have the question of if Mary or Pippin had to get the extra down. I'm a little surprised. I thought of that before yourself. Maybe it's because my head is so buried in the army trying to prepare for your tournament. Yeah, that was very much a direct response to last episode's um, content. So if you can't remember what the hell I'm on about, then listen to the last episode. As for Riddles in the Dark, it is a very tough one this time. I really struggled it, first assuming it was the warg attack scene when Legolas is shooting them, swings up onto his horse, and the next line would be third and shouting, charge. However, I don't think it is. And then Cameron goes on to say the correct answer. Now, I don't often do this. I'm going to keep your email uh, saved in the inbox, and I'm going to make sure that I read, uh, read your name out next time. Um, because I'm going to roll it over for another week because I think there's not been a lot of time between these episodes and uh, not a lot of people have uh, got it right. So I'm going to just, you know, let people catch up. So that's what I'm going to do. So carry on uh, with the rest of the email, blah, 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 blah. Um, he says, uh, if it's not that part of the film, I've got no idea. Well done to anyone who managed to get it. Well, you did get it right, Cameron. Well done. As always, thanks for the podcast and YouTube channel. Keep it up. Yours, Cameron, from Paints on a Four Up on Instagram. So let me just highlight this email mark as unread so that I've got it in my file. Great. Okay, uh, so we've got another Riddles in the Dark answer. Oh, okay. This is interesting. Maybe I should. Um, maybe I should. Uh, I- reveal this one this episode because we've got two correct answers okay well tell you what i'm, I'm going to not do that but i will uh read out james McCohen or mccowan I, i'm not 100 percent sure on how to pronounce it it's an, uh, a gaelic name of some sort uh, Ga- uh, james mccowan i think um he says hi harry relatively new listener sent over from the b sign bunch and um, so that's the battle streams in middle earth guys and um, well oh, that's brilliant thank you very much james um but I, but first, I'm emailing in to guess as I normally listen to you in the car. I always listen to podcasts in the car, so fair enough. I never got a chance to send in a guess for the pig, so I thought I'd have a good old go at this one. I must say, it was a difficult clip. I normally listen to the film soundtracks when your dulcet tones are unavailable, and this clip, as far as the soundtrack is concerned, is part of "I'm not gonna the Three Hunters," he says, with the drumbeat of the Uruk High and the horns of Isengard in the background, and then dot 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 he goes on to reveal the answer amazing he says i can't promise this level of commitment to future installments of the riddles in the dark because he's actually pinpointed the minute in the uh, the film that it happens and the moment in the track it happens so james wow that is that is dedication says i can't promise this level of commitment to future installments of riddles in the dark but it's always great fun to listen to keep up the awesome content best james james thank you very much i will save yours and make sure i read you out uh, your name out if we reveal the, uh, podca- uh, the answer to Riddles in the Dark next time which I think we will so um, without further ado let's hear that riddle one more time here it is Yeah, it is tricky, but I I think James has got a good plan. Listen to the soundtrack, and there's a moment, there's a sort of action you can hear the sound of. It's always very difficult to tell uh, what these things are, but uh, listen very carefully to this sound um, that you're happening over the soundtrack. That might give you a clue. There you go. Riddle in the dark for this episode. Uh, get in touch with the podcast if you think you know who speaks next and what they say. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. That's entmootpodcast at gmail.com. And just so you know, the the character does have a model in the game game. So it's not a super minor character anymore. Right, uh, that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say. Uh, have a have a think. Have a think. Um, get in touch. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com.
1: I'm
0: already late! Late for what? I'm going on an adventure! So we welcome back to the podcast after some break I think and you can hear the rattling of my washing machine in the background it's on a very fast cycle um, We're after I don't know how many months break it's been five months six months it was October or something I think when we last played a game but it's Tim hello hello welcome back um, it's been a many many moons since we last played um, part of this Quest of the Ring saga we left off I believe in the Barrow Downs yes
1: just double checked and we really enjoyed that one from what I remember the Barrow Downs ended on a high. It was by far and away the most exciting of the ones we played that day. Mm. Um, some characters we hadn't seen before or very rarely used ones. Uh, Goldberry made a, a last-ditch appearance at the very end. She did, um, I remember. We were... T- and- screaming for her to come at the last minute I think on a six or something she turned up on the last turn Exactly, ne- never have we willed on uh, a, a almost useless character with quite so much abandon and hopefully we're going to start off with some new characters today as well
0: Yeah, very exciting, so we're continuing the saga through Quest of the Ringbearer, if you're following along at home, I'm sure you've been waiting, it's page 20 of the Quest of the Ringbearer and it's Nazgul in Bree and so we've got the uh, the Bree village set up which luckily i had been establishing over the last sort of six months i built it i can't even remember where i got it from it's so long ago that i bought the village but um we've got the village of brie it's all mdf printed terrain what is actually going to happen in the village of brie
1: tim uh in the village of brie uh, the nazgul are going to hunt down frodo and brutally attempt to hurt him while his friends form some sort of meat shield or smuggling attempt to get him off the board Absolutely. So we've got, it starts off with Barlamin inside um,
0: the Prancing Pony, along with the Four Hobbits and Aragorn. And poor soul standing to guard the gates is Harry Goatleaf, right at the front gates. Um, and then there's four ring ringwraiths, which have all just got their uh, standard seven will, uh, nothing special, but they are on horses. Um, what actually happens during this thing? Because so there's, there's a few special rules. There's a move quietly, a hunting the ring bearer, spotting the heroes and the lore of the ring. What, what, have, what have we
1: got to do here, Tim? Uh, well, we've got to remember the special rules because there are a lot more than we would normally... So special rules, um, we've got uh, move quietly, hunting the ring bearers, spotting the heroes, lure of the ring. You're saying we might struggle to remember them. There are a few. Probably, um, like everything, it'll be a case of remembering them when they come up. But it it looks interesting. It looks like there could be a fair few ways to play this and we're going to take advantage of the whole board, hopefully. Hopefully. So, just to give people an idea, we're not allowed to
0: march. Um, and basically, there's a dice off between who controls the ring race. Uh, on a 1 to 3, the evil player moves them, and a 4 plus, the good player moves them. So, uh, and, and basically, that happens. Until uh, they spot the heroes which is them coming in within 12 inches of the heroes so uh, and then you have to roll a dice and a, on a five plus you spot them so so there's actually a potential um you know it could go very badly for the good player or it could go really well for the good player so there's a lots of kind of variables in this scenario which i like the sound of
1: i think so yes i think the the special rules are designed in a way to slow the ring race down obviously they are mounted uh, the hobbits have very very short legs um so whatever we can do to slow down the ring raids spotting the ring bearer will be a good thing. Um I think that's that's how it looks like. It could go. It could go the other way, and if one or two ring raids come over, Aragorn might go and chop them up. We just don't know yet.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be an intriguing one. Um I, I like the look of it. There's some special rules about the ring as well, which um we have to take more courage tests or something like that. But generally,
1: um are you excited for this scenario? Do you think it'll be a good one? Yes. Yeah. yeah pretty pretty excited um remember as well this is like the second game of lord of the rings in a very very long time so i'm excited just to be rolling dice but uh yeah this one looks good and um certainly a good start of today's gaming i'm ready to get back into it let's
0: roll some dice and get started so that was an absolute nail-biter tim wasn't it i i've really i really enjoyed the nascale brie well
1: first of all instant reactions Uh, I've never seen uh, so many games with ones and sixes rolls on dice. That was, there was so much sort of, uh, you know, you expect a bit of ebb and flow, but that was one of those. It's an easy win. Oh, it's a tragic loss. It's an easy win. It's a tragic loss. Oh, I only have to roll, you know, a three plus with all these dice and it's all ones and twos. That was ace. That was really, really good. I enjoyed that massively.
0: Me too. Me too. So just to summarise what happened, um, first of all, Harry Goatleaf that I thought would be trampled in the first turn was an absolute star. Uh, he straight away sacrificed himself, charged into two ring race, passing his courage check and then managed to take out one of the horses of the ring race. And and then of course because he's got a special power that means he can stop infantry moving, he could delay that one a bit extra. He was he was pretty good. He was holding up the fort very early on and I think actually it might have helped Helped in the long run because I was basically only facing off against two ring
1: wraiths with the Hobbits and Aragorn. I don't know, without spoiling the rest of the rundown, <laughs> the dismounted ring wraith was pretty important towards the end of the game. So, yeah, it definitely changed the perspective of it. Mm. Um, and very, very unexpectedly, yeah, did did well. Best player in your team, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's, well, I mean, Aragorn did dispatch most of the ring race in the end but yeah so basically how it played out was the uh, Harry Goatleaf managed to d- tackle a couple of ring race on the side you decided you split your forces round the side of a field heading towards a prancing pony in the centre uh, Harry Goatleaf tackled two of those and the others came for a sort of full headlong assault and uh, I think relatively quickly you managed to take out one of the hobbits Mary re- relatively, uh, relatively early on but um, not after a bit of a sort of a bit of a tumble I think I, I think I managed to uh, then go through um one or two ring ringwraiths with with aragorn and his uh, a very very fancy
1: heroic combat at one point there was there was a, a little pinch point around the the pub um, i got a a crafty kill of a hobbit then it all sort of ground to a little bit of a of a halt a few failed courage checks um lots of very very lucky resistant to magic rolls by hobbits um, and then once that broke down it kind of it kind of went in a slightly unexpected way the hobbits were trying to move off the board the ring race kept getting bogged down and every time they looked like they'd got out of a little trap uh through some black darts which is what i was trying to use to kill the hobbits um it looked very very much at the end like aragorn was just going to turn around and, and sweep up kill the, the nazgul and that would be job done
0: the, diff- the difficult thing here with this one is, for for the evil side, I think, you, you've you got this decision to make about how you manage your resources, about your will, so you've only got seven will, and of course that's spent either in combat or uh, on the magic, and you spent a fair bit on magic, um, which meant you didn't have as much room for combat, but then of course every time you're in combat, Aragorn just chops you bit to bit, so it's a really hard decision to make for you.
1: Yeah, I think the decision early on to split the hearts, to split the race to into two little squads was helpful. Um because there were some pinch points and I knew that once the, they got bogged down with only one attack each, trying to take out any of the multi-wound models wasn't going to be very effective. I mean, I don't play with ring race very often. I don't really know what their full suite of spells were. So I was concentrating on the ones I knew could do do wounds or try and get a bit of a compel. Um, and and they did what I was expecting. I threw a lot of resources into what I thought was going to be the last turn of the game. Didn't turn out to be the last turn of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then left some very, very feeble rates. you know, Pretty much on the way to slaughter.
0: Yeah, that, that, I think that was the that was the issue, wasn't it? Because you spent uh, two uh, twice in a row. You uh, spent three will uh, to kill the la- the second Hobbit. The, the scenario means that you could only need to kill two hobbits uh, to deny the good side of victory. Um, and you killed Merry fairly early on, um, but then it was Pippin. Just kept getting a six on his resistance to magic. Or the time that it did crack through, you managed to uh, uh, roll a one on the to wound roll with the uh, uh, thing, so it was it was a bit of a disaster.
1: Aragorn also rolled a double six, was it, on his resist to resist the compel? Yeah,
0: so he didn't have it. He had all all of his will. He only lost spent, I think, one point of might in the end.
1: Yeah, so Aragorn was very much a thorn in the side, but I knew that was going to be the case. I I thought putting all the raids together was kind of going to ask for heroic combats and lots of deaths. So that's part of the reason why I split them. Um, And yeah, he was a pain. Frodo putting on the ring at the very last minute was quite funny. Uh, Got a chance to use the Invisible Frodo model, which is always fun. Um, And then the very, very, very last roll of the dice... Sort of finished it, didn't it?
0: Yeah, it was. It was interesting because, as you say, the Frodo. There's a special rule that means that you're more. You have to uh, take a courage test at the start of each turn. Uh, if you fail, Frodo puts the um, the ring on. He got a double one for one of those courage checks, and then and um, that meant that gave this a slight opening because it meant that your slightly depleted depleted willed uh, ringwraiths charge him, and then they don't lose any will in the combat. So you got the charge off, but sadly it was a little too late because Aragorn got stuck in there. He got heroic strength off as well, which is the first time I've ever used. That I think, and um, to help him help him get the win in the end, but uh, it, it was it wasn 't a win to me because in the end, you did manage to get that, uh, that uh, black dart off against Pippin with I think the remaining um, ring race that had been held up by Harry Goatleaf for most of the game. He trudged his way up the field after Harry failed a few courage checks to try and charge him, and then he managed to pull off the black dart
1: that 's the second group of ring races who very early on hadn 't been doing an awful lot had evaded Harry Goatleaf the one on the horse had gone the crafty way round the pub he charged into combat with the um ring wearing frodo while chucking a three dice black dart or two dice black dart at the remaining um rubbish hobbit who shrugged it off got in the combat did he lose the combat to frodo i don't think he did particularly well and then the other the- he, he he rolled like ones twos and threes to wound, wound. but then the the uh, ringwraith who was on foot who'd foot slogged it halfway across the board to get just in range it was a, it was the last throw of a dice really so he threw all his will into a black dart finally killed the hobbit but obviously he vaporized himself as well so it ended up with me having no ring ringwraiths left
0: yeah it's, it's surprising because this isn't at all what I expected to happen when I, when we started the game I expected Harry to die pretty quickly uh, Barlamin to be thrown in as a, a, a sort of speed bump on the way he's still standing so is Barlamin, and the two Rubbish hobbits, as you say, poor old Merry and Pippin, and they've they've died. But Aragorn and Frodo and Sam get to carry on their adventure. So technically, the good side doesn't win. Um, but there isn't a, uh, there isn't the evil side only wins if the Frodo is slain. So it's a draw of some sort. But uh, it's uh, it it felt like a I don't know it felt I don't know who feels like it win who, I don't know who feels like winning here. But I feel like I've managed to kill all the ring rays and I'm on I've got the ring on its way, which feels like a victory to me, even though it's not.
1: Yeah, I mean, in a, in a narrative way, then obviously the depleted Fellowship are going to have to recruit uh, Harry Goatleaf and Barleyman on, into the Fellowship, and that's going to change a lot of stuff, I think. But yeah, I always like killing, you know, Merry and Pippin. <laughs> I've I've played with the Hobbits and, and Fellowship a lot of times, and they never end up living. So it was inevitable that we're going to die. Just it took a particularly long time to do it. I think the victory conditions for evil are quite tricky. I'd say the, evil, the victory conditions for evil are harder mm. to achieve than the victory conditions for good.
0: Yeah, I, I think that just having to kill Frodo feels like a, quite a difficult thing. Denying uh, good the win is relatively easy, but um, actually getting the, the win from Frodo because he's got so much more will, uh, he's, you know, he's more uh, gotten the fate and all that sort of stuff, so he feels like he's more reliable as a character, uh, harder to kill, but uh, reasonable move. Right, okay, let's move on. Um, we've got... A big scenario. This is weather top. So we've got some terrain out. Uh, we've sort of set up a weather top. I didn't spend the extra four hundred pounds uh, on the Ammon Soul thing, but we've managed to do some ruins with some pillars and some stuff. Uh, it looks like basically weather top is a is a twelve inch battle arena, as it were. It's not actually. It says use a two by two board, but it, there's no real value in that, from what I gather. It's just. Uh, Twelve inches in the middle, uh, a circle. Frodo is slap bang in the centre, so ch- Ringwraiths essentially should be able to charge him from the first turn. Um, we've got the Ring Race, four of which are, um, are normal Ring Races for seven will. We've got the Witch King of Ammar, who has ten will, no might or an extra anything like that, but he does have the Morgul Blade, of course. Um, the job is they they've got to protect Frodo,
1: and the Ringwraith has got to kill Frodo, and that's kind of it, Tim. Yes, and today I am the Hobbit, and I am not looking forward to that in the slightest.
0: It doesn't seem like a very easy one. I, you, I've got to kill Frodo, which feels... I don't know, it feels very possible, because Aragorn's not there until the second turn at the least. You have to roll a 4+, plus to get him into the game. Um, there are flaming brands, which means the Hobbits do have a chance to do some damage against them. You can set them on, on fire, essentially. But it still feels... Still feels like it's going to be hard
1: for the good player. It feels tricky um Aragorn can arrive on the second turn on a 4 plus, but then he can't charge. So it's going to be three turns of the hobbits throwing stones and basically weathering it mm. against four ring wraiths and the witch king. Just seems a little bit unfair, but I'm sure it's been extensively playtested. So.
0: <laughs> well, we'll find out, I suppose. So <laughs> uh, we'll see what happens. We'll roll some dice and we'll get stuck into Amon Sul. It's Weathertop with good versus evil. I'm taking on the evil side this time. <coughs> So, post-Weathertop scenario, uh, the Hobbits and Aragorn have come out victorious. Sadly, Merry was a casualty uh, in our game. But, um, Tim, first of all, before we talk about the tactics of how we went through it,
1: what did you think of the scenario? Was it balanced? Was it good fun? Uh, I'm not entirely sure it was was good. good fun. I mean, it's, it's enjoyable to play. It is in a very, very sort of small arena, which is a, a little bit limiting or it feels a little bit limiting, but these are designed to be played quite quickly in small spaces with a small number of models. So, I mean, what you can't expect like a three hour tactical marathon, can you?
0: No, no. I think, I think this was quite good, though. Um, I think it gave you enough uh, as a Ringwave player, it gave you enough to kind of feel like you had a chance um, to, to do the deed and kill Frodo. But it also felt like, you know, by using my the strategy I did, it meant Aragon came a bit quicker. We had a lot of fights. Um, I, I did a bit of magic. So I think there was enough stuff that happened that I thought, oh, this, this has given me a chance. I don't feel like I've I've come out feeling, you know, really annoyed that I didn't have a chance to even slightly win it.
1: No, like I think all the scenarios in the ring bearer book that we've played, they're all a little bit sort of balls deep, aren't they? It's very early on the ring race strategy here could have won the game by sort of second or third turn. It didn't. I mean, as soon as Aragorn came on, you kind of got the feeling that, good, we're going to do the, the thing, which they should have. I mean, that's, that's how it should play out, shouldn't it, really?
0: And I think that's, the, that's exactly what they're after, isn't it? Trying to recreate the uh, the games, as, uh, the bits from the books and films, aren't they? So, uh, so my strategy was, um, I had all my ring race equidistant around the, uh, the 12-inch arena we have, um, and I hoped to basically pull... Hobbits off off the centre and go straight for Frodo. He's the objective. All I have to do is kill him and I win. And that that is exactly what I did. Uh, So first turn, you kind of gravitated to one Ringwraith because you thought well that'll mean that it'll isolate another um, So, which, was, which seemed wise so one wraith was kind of out of the game but the others were pretty much still in it there were two or three that could get in their first turn do you think um, do you think I, I played it right by trying to pin you down early on I, I did the scream of the ring race so your hobbits couldn't get stuck into combat I isolated Frodo managed to get I think was it the second turn I got, got a combat with three ring Ringwraiths uh, including the Witch King
1: pulling the Morgul Blade do you think that was the right way to go? Oh, I would have definitely done that um because you don't know where Aragon's coming on, well, sorry when he's coming on or where he's coming on. he's like a little bit enigmatic, so while he's not on the board, you've got a massive advantage you may as well will throw you know throw it at him mm-hmm. um it's only really maybe the 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 wraith scream, I think later on might have been used it'd be you know be useful to have it more than once, but having played it through and used it early, I don't think it added as much early as maybe having it later on to mm-hmm stop the charges would have been
0: yeah I, I think well my thought was if i use the scream in the very first t- uh, time that i'm in combat so i'd got i would got frodo uh, surrounded him i'd put the scream on and then gone right okay this means the hobbits can now not take two of the ringwraiths off or or whatever and i thought that way i've got three dice to win the combat and, and i've got the morgul blade i've got a good chance of, of getting frodo that first turn
1: it didn't actually pan out that way at all no um I think I only rolled one six in the game. Uh, it just fortunately happened to be that combat um, against two rates and the Witch King. And sadly for the Witch King, he didn't survive that, did he? Yeah,
0: it didn't, didn't go well uh, for the Witch King of Angmar. He, he and attacked a plucky hobbit and then um, Frodo, fighting off all expectation as well, went, went straight in took a took a blade to the the ring race eyes and and took him out in one go. I am not a man, he says. I'm a hobbit, and then he killed him in one go, rolling the six by five or whatever it was that he had to get. But either way, that certainly um, was a, a little bit of a downer for me. I mean, the Witch King died on nine will, so he only had one uh, one combat or one magic or something like that beforehand. That I don't know whether that massively made it, made it harder for me, but it certainly was a, a scuppered the plans to to get him in that first turn with the Morgul blade, kill him off in one go. Which, of course, again, like you say, actually, if I'd if I'd have pulled that off, it would have been a pretty boring game.
1: Yeah, uh, it was small arena, fairly speedy models. It could have been ended. It could have ended in turn two. Could mm-hmm. have ended in turn three. Actually mainly because of Aragorn's awful dice. It ended in about turn 23. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it was another one of those where really it's not designed to take hours and hours and hours and hours. It's a fairly quick game. Um, we did some magic. We did some fighting. Um, Hobbits did quite a lot of fighting. We did a lot of stuff, um, and yeah, played quite nicely. I actually think it's a really good scenario
0: to get someone who has never played the game before, show them the ropes of magic, fights, heroes, might all of those. It has a lot of stuff in it. You don't get cavalry charges, which is fine, but um I actually think it'd be a really, really good one. And also you don't it says it's on a two by two table. You don't need the two by two table. Really you just need a circle. Like a disc with no terrain in it,
1: anything like that. It would be fine for a newbie. There is absolutely no reason why um if you were looking almost to get someone started, you couldn't do this with two sheets of a four with a printed weather top on it, a laminated weather top um you know four plastic hobbits and a plastic aragon and four plastic wraith models i, I think it probably wasn't in my time, but I think there were was a a weather top style set was there I'm not
0: just... I, don't, I don't know I don't know whether there's been a printout
1: one but either way it, you could certainly like you say you could make a circle there's, uh, easily in a plastic race hasn't there with the there's like purple plastic foot rates. I feel there have been ones but what set that came with I, I don't uh, know it might have been something
0: old but either way yeah they, they, there's, there's definitely a chance of doing this early on I mean you could get, get some ring rays or, or those uh, little fold out cardboard standees that used to come with the Battle Games and yeah. Middle Earth magazines could you do some of that it would be great for a newbie I, I lost I, all the ring race died, only one hobbit died, Frodo did lose a wound and all his fate um, but sadly he, he survived and also took the witch king down with him which is pretty big victory to the good side in my book so let's have a look, we're turning the page and we're on to the flight to the fort So the Ford has been built, we've got a river, we've got a few trees and a scattering of hedges and all that sort of stuff. And we've had a read through of this scenario and there's a lot of funky rules, uh, particularly the weakened by the chase rule, which we're going to in a second. But first of all, Tim, I'm very excited to be recreating this moment because um, I love this scene in the films. I think it's probably the bit that I remember most of when I first watched it, thinking, this is really cool. I love how the river takes out all the ring race, all that sort of stuff. Let's hope we can recreate that time because I'm going to be Arwen and the Hobbits and everyone else, which are included, although they're dragging their feet at the back,
1: and you're going to take the power of the nine. Do you know, it's one of those those games where while i'm thinking of great tactics to win what i'm actually going to do is get those uh, those horses in that river <laughs> because i think that's what we all want to see isn't it the 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 um the bruinen's wrath in full effect
0: absolutely yeah we don't want uh, we don't want to sort of dodge that in some way but it's going to be good fun um so th- let's talk about the special rules because there are some really good ones as i mentioned um first of all there's uh, there's a protection of the imlandris which means good people on the eastern side of the river which is uh, just 6 inches off the uh, eastern side um, they get the fortified spirit which is pretty cool. So they get two uh, free will points to resist magic. Not that the evil guys will be doing a lot of magic, I'd imagine, because they start the game with just three will points each and the Witch King has five. So although there's a lot of magicians about, there's not going to be a lot of casting, do you
1: think? No, I'm certain there will be lots of casting. Uh, I think uh, this is primed for a zap lots of black darts, dismount Arwen, and then have a little bit of a group cuddle with the ring raids. Yeah, well, we'll see what what happens there. But yeah, of course, there's new rules about the black dart
0: and you're not being able to resist with the person on top of it. So technically, uh, I shouldn't... uh, I shall be struggling. But anyway, uh, you get... Also, your horses are exhausted, so they only move D6 plus four each turn. And if you roll a six, they uh, they collapse and fall off their horses, and they take a throne rider test.
1: Yes, you would think that with all the ones I've rolled today, this is about time for me to get some sixes. Um, I can fully see five sixes being rolled in the first turn, and then. I'm probably just going to walk home. <laughs> Brilliant. And as we mentioned,
0: the Wrath of Brunnen as well, on a 4+, uh, once, uh, I think once people have gotten over, once Af- Asphaloth in particular has gone over the river, uh, on a 4+, you can unleash the power of the Brunnen, which basically wipes out anyone in the river. So I've got to time it right, really, haven't I? Because uh, otherwise, I'm going to be sweeping off uh, everyone else. But it's going to be interesting. Um and also the ring, the four or uh, we start with five ring race. The four ring race can turn up at any point uh, on a four plus. Uh, if a ring race rolls a one to arrive, it suffered an accident on its journey. So we'll see whether any, anyone turns up with your dice, uh, uh, Tim. So there we go. That's the game. We'll uh, give it a, an assessment of how it runs after the game. So in dramatic fashion, the flight to the Ford comes to a close.
1: And Tim, what did you think? Uh, It was ace, but in one of those sort of so bad it was good (laughs) sort of ways. It was brilliant because it did everything we wanted it to do. Um, apart from I did not win. <laughs> that is true. So Arwen did
0: make it over the river. So did Frodo, with just one wound remaining. Aragorn also made it over the river. The three hobbits uh, are on the other side with the um, river now impassable, but that doesn't matter because all the ringweights are gone. One of them got swept up by the river, which was awesome in the very last turn. But there were a few hiccups, it's fair to say, over the course of the game. I mean, the, the lack of will made it a really interesting um, dynamic. But I think the one thing that the scenario doesn't account for is the fact that there's an FAQ now that means that I can't resist um, any dice rolls for attempts to destroy my horse with a black dart. So Arwen was unseated, and uh, so was Frodo from Asfaloth.
1: Yes, and hilariously, Arwen rolled the one and then another one for her throne rider test, and so very very early on in the game, Asphaloth had gone vaporised by a black dart, and Arwen and Frodo were sat around on their backsides. Absolutely, Arwen was on her asspheloth uh, after
0: after coming off Asphaloth so that was that was a bit annoying. Um, so yeah, I think I, re- realistically, there's no point having Arwen do it in this scenario um, because she's got four wheel that's completely useless because you're never going to go for anything other than. Asfaloth and then Frodo. So her four will is worthless now with the new FAQ. So this scenario, I think, has been kind of busted by, by the FAQ, if I'm completely honest.
1: It has doubly, because for the Wrath of Bruin in special rule it only becomes activated once Asvalov has got into the river. And obviously Asvalov was sadly dead by about <laughs> turn two. Yeah, the wording is very stupid, really, because I guess they're so confident in the old
0: rules before this FAQ, uh, in the old rules that Asvalov would definitely survive, it will be fine, um, the, and only can you actually turn on the, the river and sweep away all the ring race with Asvalov's foot in it, which is foolishness uh, to say the least but either way uh, we we decided that it me- clearly meant Ar- uh, um, arwen and frodo but uh, but i think um it, it worked out well because actually all of the ring race kind of dropped just before they hit the river because of the various will um,
1: calamities and and also the exhaustion and things like this if the ring races had four will this would not work If they had two-wheel, it wouldn't work. Having the three-wheel kind of kept it on hooks. You wanted to keep a little bit back, but you wanted to still be doing a bit of zapping again. I was only really using the the compel and mostly black darts to try and do some damage. Did a little bit of damage, but then one by one, the wraiths all slowly vanished or fell off their horses or didn't appear at all. So, yeah, what looked like at the very early on, it was going to be, you know, a five-minute job. Again, turned out into a reasonable length of time game that was pretty much on the cusp till the very end wasn't it it really was it was
0: hanging on the last dice roll and everything you know it was uh, Frodo had just uh, one wound left and they, they just made it over to the other side that meant that I, we got the, um, the super resistance magic the fortified spirit so the last couple of turns of magic meant that I just had that extra dice to be able to, to resist easier but also you got one wo- uh, one black dart that actually went through but you didn't wound with it and then all these sorts of things so there were lots of moments in this last turn of the game Game which fe- which felt like oh yeah this is this could go either way either uh, each way I think that it was probably harder on the good side because of the lack of the horse I think I'd have made it over the river relatively easily if not I, I assume because I think I lost asphalt maybe a few inches just before the the river.
1: Yeah, I mean, I rolled quite a lot of high rolls for the speed of the, the ring rates, That's which true. was it kept him away from Aragorn, which was useful. So he and the Hobbits were pretty much ineffective for the entire game, um, which was helpful to me. I mean, I could have rolled poorer. They could have got more involved earlier on. I could have done some better black darts. I could have not killed the horse. There's a lot of different permutations mm. how it could have gone. Not exactly a lot of different tactics. It was still foot down for you and pretty much foot down for me. But, you know, lots of different ways that that could have ended. So lots of fun. And it ended in the best way. So Yeah, it ended with uh, at least one ringwraith being swept into the river. As you say, the Aragorn thing was interesting
0: because I thought, well, my Aragorn didn't get to do anything. I marched a couple of times. It didn't help um, at all because you and the next turn you were just, you know, moving off at, at, at speed enough just to keep you out of the charge range. I think had I got a charge with Aragorn at any point, it would have been a bad news for the ring race because i would have just taken that extra will off them, uh, which they really, really needed to put the pressure on uh, Frodo and Arwen. But, but in the end, yeah, it was great. The the, the river swept up. It didn't sweep as many uh, ring races away as we'd hoped, maybe because there was a turn where there were about four or five in the river. Um, but you managed to just uh, uh, well, I, I didn't roll the one, I didn't roll the four plus. If it had gone the turn before uh, and Elrond had got his four plus to sweep them away, it'd been four horses or five horses down the river, which would have been a truly epic end. But
1: I the way it was good fun it would have also swept his daughter away which would,
0: <laughs> well i would have been fine with that
1: <laughs> so so would i it would. i mean that that's maybe in the director's cut part two but uh yeah really really good that I, I enjoyed that a lot and even extra good if you don't want to use arwen you can use glorfindel so
0: yeah glorfindel i don't know whether that would change it too much i guess i guess the other thing that i could have done more of is just gone well arwen you can charge into combat. If you had Glorfindel, you'd probably be more tempted. With Arwen, she's not a great fighter, and if she's surrounded by nine ringwraiths, she'd probably die. Glorfindel, on the other hand, he might be all right. He's got Three Might, he's got Strike, he's got all- Lords of the West, all those sorts of things. I-, I don't know whether it would change the scenario too much from being running away from the ringwraiths.
1: It wouldn't change the scenario, it would just make some people just that little bit more happy. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's why it's been put in. It's, you know, this is, we've recreated a really good film moment. We haven't been able to cre- recreate a really, really good book moment, mm. but we could because mm. it's in the instructions. Well, it's been really good.
0: Uh, Flight to the Ford, we end there. Um, and I don't know whether we're going to have enough time for the next one. But either way, uh, we will return at some point and delve into the start of the Moria campaign, which starts with a card game for the Pass of Karadras. Until next time. So there we go. That was Tim and I, uh, basically just smashing through a few scenarios. Uh, it's been ages since we did the scenario, so I'm, I was really glad to have those games. And hopefully, we'll have uh, a few more games at some point in the not too distant future. And uh, and we'll do more scenario reviews. If you enjoy those, let me know. Entmootpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you don't enjoy those, then let me know. Uh, it's Green Dragon Podcasts. At gmail.com, if you don't like that segment of the podcast. Uh, Anyway, now we've got another adventure of sorts because games are allowed to happen again uh, after many, many months of lockdown and various different restrictions. And we're allowed to play games with one another. We've heard Tim playing, but we need to reveal how the army list uh, that I used, uh, that I told you about earlier on in the podcast, um, could uh, fare up against a game in a game god I stumbled all over that didn't I but anyway um, so just a quick reminder it was a couple of Candish kings on chariots uh, a charioteer a bowman of Cand and I think six riders of Cand and also Amder and eight Easterling acolytes so that's 600 points so how do they fare against Nathan Talbot's army which includes a lot of boys let's find out so we're here in Imps Gaming, and we've just had the first game in the club since... Oh, God, I don't know how how long ago it must have been. It must have been sometime last year, October. And for you, Nathan, it's been the uh, the first game since, what, before...
2: The, the new edition is so, that right? For, for the new one, certainly. Yes, yes. So three, four, five years, maybe longer. Yeah.
0: So you got into into the game during lockdown. You bought Pelinor Fields. We've spoken to you on the podcast about Berigond. And mm-hmm. um, so, just give us a run through of your your army and what you were taking up against my uh, Candish host.
2: Yeah. yeah so uh, I had the uh, Faramir Baragond post War of the Ring um, force in place with Aowin. A um, kind of follow on from that from the podcast chat we had. Um, quite quite an elite force with lots of uh, Guard, Royal Guard but some basic troops in there as well to, to fill up the gaps.
0: But it, was, it, was, it felt like quite a lot of models. I mean, when, when I uh, you said, oh, it's quite an elite force, I was thinking, oh, crumbs, this is going to be he- hefty because I've not got very many mo- models in mind. But um, you got, what was it, 30-something models in the end?
2: Yes, 35, 36. Uh, I think the, the lack of the big, big heroes from Gondor made a real difference for, uh, for, for bringing up points for the, for the lot.
0: Yeah, so you still had Faramir on his horse, but yeah, Eowyn, Kyrian and uh, a Rohan captain and Beragond, they're not expensive. But it does allow you to bulk out on Royal Guard, or Sort of, uh, you had a, a fair few uh, knights and uh, Minister of Warriors and just standard warriors really, which I think f- stood you in fair stead, especially with the, the de- high defence.
2: Yeah, I think that certainly, the, the, although the shield wall didn't work quite the way well I wanted to, the big, the big high defence captains and, and just the even the defence six on the basic warriors on the Marine Mystery was really useful for just slowing you down and uh, sort of clumping up in the middle was, was really handy.
0: Yeah, it really did clump up. Just to describe the, the field and the scenario, so we, we did fogs of war, uh, fog of war, uh, and so we had to choose the terrain piece and all that sort of stuff and uh, try and uh, kill someone. So I, I chose to protect my uh, king on a chariot because I thought... Uh, he'll, he'll plough through stuff, he's got that defensive bulwark and the defence seven chariot, so he should be fine and he's pretty unstop- nigh unstoppable. and I thought Amder uh, with his one fate uh, and the, his three wounds, but I just thought he might be a little bit more uh, squishy and I wanted to kill Eowyn uh, in her dress I thought, well, she's low defence, she's got strikes so she might be in combat, so that was my choice and I had to get a bit of terrain on the right hand side of the field and Nathan, you, you had kind of the opposite idea, basically
2: Yeah, so I was protecting barragond I'm a big fan um, which you didn't maybe pick up on—that uh, uh, I was aiming for the king that you were protecting—and my scenery piece was on the opposite side of the table to yours, and it was a random tree. In in the in the end, a decent position to land on. Yeah, I think uh, it was good because it meant that there was this whole
0: swirl of m- melee uh, as as it, uh, everything developed. I made a little bit of a crucial mistake early on in the game, in which I, I kind of I, I saw the Rohan peeking out from underneath this uh, this ruin in the middle. So I sent most of my guys towards that, thinking stupidly that it was the, uh, Eowyn without checking. But you never quite know in fog of war. If I ask who's under there, and you say uh, the the captain, um, I'm like, oh, okay, not not going there, and it gives the game away. So I don't want to do that. Um, but anyway, I went for them and. Uh, anyway, ended up turning, turning my way through a little bit but halting pretty quickly with Chariot and Amder and it kind of bumped off the captain I think Amder called a heroic combat um, to, get, uh, to get to the captain and I think he failed in his chance to get to the captain so yeah it was a bit of a, a, a bum start for the uh, the a
2: supposed assassination hero <laughs> yeah definitely and uh, similarly for myself when Faramir, his initial charge sort of, took about three turns to get through in the end um, it meant the two big heroes of, of the armies just were doing very little against the rest of everyone else
0: yeah absolutely i mean you you had what six knights of Tirith and and Faramir against five or six i think it was it might even been four four yeah that sounds right anyway four or five and candish horsemen who i'd kind of moved to the left in a a kind of fainting a little bit unintentionally protecting my terrain piece that uh, nathan was going for but then um Yeah, like unexpectedly in the first turn, I not only killed one or two of the uh, the the, the minister of warriors,
2: the minister of uh, knights but you basically killed one or two and Faramir fluffed it as well I think if even yes yeah yeah. it took, it took a while um, And it, kind of, it wasn't even arrogance on my part it just didn't happen <laughs> just, well,
0: I don't think it's arrogance I think that six knights will take out Candish Horseman it, it, especially with Faramir there I mean I know you didn't call any heroic combats or anything like that but good job you didn't because he fl- he fluffed in the first turn and, and all that I suppose he's only got two attacks which doesn't help
2: no it doesn't no I think against infantry really hard hitting against cavalry it's obviously he balances out slightly more but, yeah, um, yeah. And, and, and as it developed, um, you know, the, uh, the the melee in the middle,
0: which Amder uh, and the, the chariot, the red chariot, uh, uh, kind of um, fluffed out at the start, we eventually got the acolytes involved, which I think people have massively underestimated because I got eight acolytes and um, the two attacks, the throwing weapons came hugely in handy and especially because you castled up around this ruin which is usually a very good move and, um, and it was a good move here but I had all these little tricks that I could do so I, I, I had a chance to kill someone behind the doorway which I didn't have to take in the waste for which meant I killed one, which was great and then I could climb over the ruins um, and, and you know, get a plus two for my jump and climb tests again, came essential when and i rolled a couple of ones and i didn't end up losing some acolytes to uh, silly falls so uh, they became very useful and especially at, at taking on like the captain and, and and putting extra dice in and just winning the combats if nothing else
2: yeah they were really impressive um i think with the overall consensus that they're not very good uh in my now limited experience um they're, they're great uh, yeah okay they haven't got strength four but they don't need it, because they've got other tricks, and that, in this case it really worked. Yeah,
0: I think if they were strength 4 it would have been a bit unfair on you in, in many ways.
2: So the strength 3, I
0: mean, yeah, it was annoying that occasionally I didn't roll the 6, but, you know, that's, that's, the, way, that's the way the dice work, and that's fine. And other than that, the only thing that, um, that I suppose is, is worth noting is the the massive power of the chariots, and um, because once uh, the other two chariots—so this is the uh, my leader chariot and the charioteer in his warband—basically they headed straight towards Aowin,
2: and it took a couple of turns, but by God did they hit when they got there. Yeah, one, but once they hit, once they got over the initial road bump, um, I, th- I think you took out four or five Royal Guard in one, what one one charge from the basic charioteer, mm. um, and it was a huge shock after a couple of turns of stuttery starts and movement but yeah, once they hit they hit and they hit and they don't stop so. oh
0: yeah it, it was pretty brutal though, that couple of turns there that I just literally just was like take them off take them off take them off you know being a bit uh, blase about it but no it was four or five guys in a row which which felt uh, felt a bit unfair but um, it, that's, that's the way they work and, and you know you, you you get them for exactly that reason when you and when a chariot charge comes off it's great and in terms of these sort of tactics um, and I should mention it's a draw in the end which is we had mentioned yet so it was a draw because um, I managed to break you you got my terrain piece but sadly I lost uh, the, the chariot in a blasé uh, 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 charge so I, the chariot I protected went straight into Kirian who struck and then I think beat him in the strike and then uh, immediately took him off the board in one go which was a bit stupid for my part because A was protecting him and as it turned out you were trying to kill him
2: yeah, I mean that, that was that was the target. It was more. I knew it was coming for me. Um, Amda, all squishy. Also hits really hard. So he seemed like a good choice. Kirian has got his special rule where he gets bonus to charge big and beasts. There wasn't one on the table, so it seemed obvious to just go for it and strike up and hope for the best. Mm.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's. I probably unlikely that Kyrian is going to be the person I'm going to kill because he's higher defence he's got higher strikes so you're probably more relaxed at throwing him into combat I, I just think I was a bit foolish I mean yes I'd already committed because I'd mis- misidentified the warband I was going for um, but I, I don't think I really needed to send uh, uh, someone I was protecting into a, a squad of guys with strike in it and y- yeah on balance I probably had a, a good chance of uh, it's about half and half really of, of winning the uh, the combat I didn't expect him to die in one go that's let's be honest but that's that stupidity so I, I think in terms of strategy I don't think there's any particular moments where we used anything particularly clever or, or smart to, to out, outwit the opponent um, I did a couple of clever heroic moves I think towards the end of the game but they didn't really change anything in the long run but um, one thing I would say was that your use of might Beragond, um had a chance to kill a chariot with a, a point of might on a bow shot you didn't go for it in the end um, and I kind of I'm on the fence of as whether that was a good thing or a bad thing
2: yeah, because I think it was quite early in the game, um, and it's a point of might which is obviously quite precious, especially on Baragun, he's only got one. Um, later on, I did use his um, Heroic Accuracy, which didn't actually pay off, so in hindsight, definitely worth paying for the for the wound. So yeah, it's, if it had been mid-game, I think I'd have gone for the wound automatically, because it was so early, holding on to that might just seemed like the the obvious thing at that moment.
0: Absolutely, yeah. And I think I I made a bit of a bum uh, decision trying to shoot the Citadel Guard a couple of times rather than Berrigond. And I wasn't really targeting him, which was silly because he's, you know, if I got a lucky shot in, I'd have killed him. But uh, I I suppose your might was a good good choice because if you'd have if you did get that combat later on in the game he's got that might to just up the fate or give him a chance to win the, win the combat or whatever so it's a difficult one but either way I mean this was your first game of uh, SBG in well years um, how did it go what, I mean, what did you think of it what do you enjoy the game of have, have you regretted the last 18 months uh, watching podcasts and videos on YouTube and getting back into it
2: uh, I think there are far more unhealthy things I could have been doing in that time <laughs> um, no it, it's, it's been great because I've had, I've had obviously it's been a bad year for everyone um, I've been able to build a models, made some new friends. I played a great game tonight and I also got to see a, a beast I'm six yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I saw you cursing the Entmute dice a few times <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you got the the patron dice all came out from you for, and the battle streams and Middle Earth ones uh, I think you rolled a one on a couple of times which is good I also rolled a one on it for something as well which when we we accidentally swapped dice and you're right the uh, the boo rum and the Entmoot patron dice uh, did show up a few couple of sixes and I, I had to curse them because otherwise I'd be uh, I'd be remiss so I, either way Nathan it was it was a great game it's nice to uh, have a chat post, post the game. And, of course, the return of, of uh, Dice in the club. You can hear the atmosphere here. There's, there's about sort of eight or nine other people here playing games, and it's just lovely to see it, isn't
2: it? It really is, yeah, because it's been such a long time in, in all formats, and actually doing it properly and seeing it done properly is, is so much better than imagining it or watching it or anything really here. Yeah, you, you can't beat it.
0: Absolutely, and, and now we can head home and get these masks off. <laughs> A pleasure to play Nathan and a pleasure to have him back on the podcast as well. Uh, thank you very much to uh, to him for the, the game. An even draw. I mean, some some crazy stuff happened in that game. Lots of chariot action, lots of cool things. And actually, I really like his army. I think it has a lot of potential. You've got striking heroes. I mean, if Eowyn had a bit more armor, then she'd be tough as, as nails. But, I mean, a striker on a horse, striker in um, Eowyn dirt cheap and load of uh, you've got a captain, you've got a, a barragon, you've got a lot of might there's, there's something about this army list that I think Nathan's touched on something that's both themy and pretty cool actually um, uh, genuinely really good um, either way that was a great, uh, lovely game, lovely to, to be playing actual games again and throwing some dice, I loved it I just loved every moment of it, so um, with that in mind, um, we've come pretty much to the end of the podcast and I think, and I may be wrong But I think the next podcast will be from an actual real-life tournament. That's right. Tournaments are on the horizon. So um, uh, restrictions are slowly easing in the UK. Um, There are some changes, uh, delays and things like that. But there are still some tournaments happening uh, in the next month or so. So it's very exciting. We're almost there. I just can't wait to um, get a tournament and do the podcast as I originally intended it. So can't wait for that. Um, I believe it will be Rings of Men, the tournament I'll be going to. So that's all very exciting. And quick note on my tournament. Um, currently. The, uh, the government's restrictions mean that um, it can't go ahead in the way that I intended it to go ahead um, but uh, the venue have reassured me that it can go ahead I just have to adapt things significantly um, and essentially I'm going to redo it so that there's like a round robin ele- element to it and we'll work out um, a way of making it work um, and of course ha- and making sure it's all safe and ventilated and um, all that sort of stuff So um, and people have to wear masks and, and not mingle with as many different people as As we thought. But either way, it's going to be an exciting uh, day. I'm really excited for the tournament. I'm so glad it's going to happen. I can't wait for people to be um, gathered around tables and playing Toy Soldiers and just generally. Um, you know socialising in a way that I think is really important you know people have been on their own and um, not doing their favourite hobby for a long time so I'm I'm glad it's happening and you know if the the rules uh, the government rules do allow it now um, in a slightly different form so I'm very excited uh, for it to get ahead and obviously it won't be exactly the same as it could have been if um, if all restrictions had ended you know masks could be thrown away and and you know um, everyone could mingle and have a big party but you know I'm quite happy for it to uh, it to still happen in in some way because it's been a long time coming let's put it that way so with that in mind um, if you are interested in coming along to N- uh, the NB tournament uh, Lord of the Imps then please get in touch you can either uh, send me a message on Facebook and search for the event on Facebook just search for uh, the in the Great British Hobbit League you can go to the events tab and it's one of the events there you can email entmootpodcast at gmail.com uh, or you can Facebook me or whatever and there's still I think three spots remaining uh, there may well be a couple more uh, if people um, aren't comfortable with coming along to the tournament in the current um, rules uh, or if they're travelling from further afield blah 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 um, but uh, either way it's very exciting for um, for the tournament to happen so yeah get in touch entmootpodcast at gmail.com also um, big shout out to my Patreon. Patreons, um i've um had i've got a little patreon facebook group and dice are on their way and tr- uh, t- t-shirts have been ordered so it's all very exciting and um, uh, we're going to have all of that happening very very soon and um, if you want to support the podcast it's kind of like a a subscription that you don't have to pay <laughs> essentially, um, but uh, feel free to contribute, it really helps um, and particularly with the server costs um, and you're in the, with a chance of winning prizes every time there's a new um, new Forge World release, I pretty much do that unless it's an end, which is a lot of money, um, I, I, you give, I give away one of those in a draw, I also give away dice and um, there's t-shirts and all that sort of stuff as well, so um, it, I really appreciate that. A final uh, plug is for my YouTube channel because the YouTube channel is uh, is got some cool stuff coming very soon. So um, I, I, I've got uh, basically some terrain tutorials, uh, terrain things that I've been building over a long period of time, and dun dun dun, maybe even a battle report very very soon. It's been a long time, but it took. Uh, it, I, I kind of wanted to do a battle report for a long time, and I filmed one, and it's. Uh, I, I think to be fair i've upped the um up the quality in terms of you know filming and all that sort of stuff so hopefully um you'll enjoy that when it's out in the next month or so um no podcast until the end of july so. Sorry, sorry the start of july but in the meantime thanks very very much for listening to boo I rum